How do you normally start cooking? Olive oil, right? Well, I have great news for you. This podcast is also brought to you by California Olive Ranch, expertly crafted extra version olive oil. Go to CaliforniaOliveRanch.com and enter the promo code CHICKENS10, that's one word, CHICKENS10, to receive 10% off your entire first purchase. The offer is available through December 31st. California Olive Ranch discovery starts in the bottle. Let's start the show. Pastel de nata. Churros. Brigadeiro. Calzone. Apple pie. Shredu Bangers and mash. Toad in the hole. Paella. Hello there, my chickens and dishes. How are you? Welcome back for another episode of Turning Chickens and Breaking Dishes. My name is David G. Martins, or David Guimarães Martins, and I'm the executive chef for the European Union Embassy in Washington, D.C. And as always, just in case, if this is your first time listening, let me explain to you why my podcast has this exceptional name. I'm originally from Portugal, and I've been living in Washington, D.C. for the last nine years. And the name of the podcast refers to two Portuguese phrases. Turning chickens means someone that has a lot of experience, and breaking dishes means someone that has exceeded all expectations. I'll be asking my guests if we've been turning more chickens or breaking more dishes. Every episode I'll have a guest and we'll talk about everything related to food, not necessarily ingredients or dishes, but how through food we can help communities, the success of small business owners, the fascinating stories that we remember growing up with our family sitting around the table, and even what's the best breakfast ever. Don't forget to subscribe to my podcast and all the platforms you have access to. You can follow me on Instagram at Turning Chickens Breaking Dishes or the Facebook page Turning Chickens and Breaking Dishes. If you want to support this podcast, go to anchor.fm slash david-martins. I hope you enjoy listening to every episode and don't forget I'm Portuguese. So if you don't understand something, just Google it. My guest today is the executive chef for Ada Indian Canteen and Rahi Restaurant, both in New York City. He studied hotel management in Delhi. After that, he started working at a hotel in Mumbai, where he spent eight years learning traditional Indian cuisine and techniques before moving to Cleveland in 2013. Food and Wine ranked Ada the sixth best new restaurant in the country. Ada restaurant also featured on Bon Appetit list of the best new 50 restaurants. New York Magazine named Ada the most exciting new Indian restaurant in the city. And last year, he was named one of the 2019 New York City Rising Stars Award winner by Star Chefs. Shintan Pandia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, David. Thanks a lot. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Just excited for this thing. <laughs> Thank you. Two important questions. Have you ever been to Portugal? No. You should. Do you know any Portuguese words? Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> the most important. It's the most important word you have to know. That's the most important word, I would say. Perfect. Yeah, but I've, I've, I've always, uh, you know, like I've never been to Portugal, but um, there's a part in India which is known as a state in India known as Goa, mm -hmm. which is actually ruled by Portuguese people. Sure. So there's a lot of influence from food in that region from Portugal. So we'll start right away. Why did you decide to leave India and come to the United States? Do you think the food industry has more opportunities in the United States and India, for instance? No, but so I, I was, uh, so I've been cooking for nearly 21 years now. Started in uh, around, I would say around 2000, I started cooking. Uh, professionally, I was a student before that. And uh, then I did my part in India where I learned about Indian food. I cooked Indian food. Then I got an opportunity to move to Singapore as a chef partner in a very high-end fine dine restaurant. 
and uh, then after like achieving everything i thought we had achieved over there i decided now what next and i wanted to do something on my own back in india in midst of that i got an opportunity to consult for a fast casual indian concept which i think might be the future of dining mm-hmm. and that's how i took up that opportunity and i came to america for that and then i moved to atlanta to do something on my own which actually didn't work out which was a disaster thing it's okay we and, don't have to talk uh, about it <laughs> It's okay. Failures are a part of life. That's, you know, I, I actually true. like to talk more about my failure than my success because it keeps you, it gives you more learning than anything else. That's my perspective, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I joined, uh, at that time, it was the only Indian Michelin star restaurant in New York City by the name of Junoon. I joined as executive chef over there. I was there for a year. Then I met the current people that I work with, my current business partner in the year 2017. We opened up Rahi. which was the first restaurant of our group that we opened up uh, Adda in 2018 then in 2019 we did a concept known as Aero Banquets RMX which is first of its kind in the world which is a virtual reality dining and in midst of that we launched a online only concept of known as Biryani Bowl so biryani is a very traditional rice preparation out of India uh, which i felt was not uh, given due justice in America and uh, we actually did a lot of r&d for it we were initially planning to we were working our r&d on the entire project to launch it by next year but due to the covid situation we launched it this year yeah. because it was a perfect timing for it how do you think indian culture has shaped indian food and or vice versa how has indian food shaped indian culture i i think what happens with the food is food is a very integral part of every culture not only india i'm talking about every country every the city that you go to the food is an integral part of culture so something that you will always talk about a place i think food will be number one prerogative for it so obviously the entire uh, lifestyle revolves around the food that is made in the particular country or city or a state so obviously the food has played a big part in the entire cultural context of india india is such a large country a large country and indian food includes so much how do you determine what indian food would mean for your restaurant So what happens with us is that uh, all our concepts we actually try to do food from across the India. Uh, we don't focus on one region of it. We actually focus on the dishes, mm-hmm. and these dishes could be from different parts of the country. So, for example, the word rahi, the word rahi itself means a traveler. So the on- entire concept is about how somebody has traveled across India and made the food from different regions of it. so what we do is we don't focus like we don't uh, stereotype ourselves saying that okay we'll only make this regional food we actually are exploring the best dishes out of different regions of india is it easy to do because you know again india is such a large country uh is it easy to do to just have a little you know from each part of india it is it is uh, you know uh, it's a very subjective thing to say easy and difficult it mm-hmm. is what your vision is it's what you want to deliver as a product or what you want to deliver as a as your food and you work around it. it and as i say it's easy and difficult are very subjective terms for everyone like something that might be very easy for you might be very difficult for me you understand and yeah. something which is very easy for me might be very difficult for you mm-hmm. these are subjective terms basically we try to and the entire team is built in such a way that we are very open to ideas we want to like we keep on changing i think one of the key for uh, running a restaurant is how fast you can adapt and evolve yourself you understand so that's what the entire team the entire belief of the company is even the people that we recruit uh, there is no stringent thing you know like there are times where 
because of covid it's been like crazy you know like there was hardly any team members or staff that you could get and i was literally doing delivery out of my car and it's not only me it's the entire team like the ceo of the company the cfo of the company they are not sitting anywhere like everybody was in action and uh, during the covid time which was the you know the biggest challenge i would say we have all of us have faced in past few years do you intend your food to be comfort food or do you consider it more fine dining what we deliver is a comfort food it is something that i could eat three four days a week it is something that i crave to eat like the menu at adda is literally what i enjoyed eating growing up it's the menu that's the menu we came up with the menu within eight days flat eight days we were out with the first draft of the menu and like if you look at rahi from the time the idea of a dish is conceived to the idea it goes to the table on an average we spent around two and a half months for one dish it goes okay. through so many things and everything because that's a different concept altogether and adda is more home style where people should feel like you are eating at my house you know so it's all about that why do you think and you know nowadays a lot of restaurants are opening and a lot of people look at michelin star restaurants you know fine dining restaurants but at the end of the day more and more people just seek restaurants that serve comfort food why do you think that is I think what happens is that food is also a trend it goes and comes and goes and comes and I think what happened is that there was a craze for uh, Michelin star restaurants there's nothing wrong they are phenomenal no. mm-hmm. the rating is outstanding but it is what you crave for at the end of the day what do you want to eat like think about it i might you are sitting here and i say what would you like to eat would you like to eat the best rice preparation your mother would make or would you like to eat something from a three michelin star restaurant where you know a rice is cooked in a very refined and a phenomenal manner mm-hmm. it is what you want and i think most of the times you end up saying that i want to eat a comfort food from my home in my case i'll choose the three michelin star cuz my mom she's a horrible cook so yes i have to go for the michelin star <laughs> okay i don't take that none of the moms are horrible cook no mom is no, my mom cook. no but she actually she actually says she has no pleasure of cooking she does not like to cook at all but you know it's, it's very funny you say this because i actually am not allowed to cook at home so my mother loved cooking and she thought i created a lot of mess so she doesn't allow me cooking and my wife loves cooking So I the only thing I actually cook at home is breakfast for my daughter that's it breakfast yeah. for my daughter because my wife is working during that time okay well there you go that's it. that that's a good compromise what is the biggest misconception that people might have about indian food i think a lot of people have a misconception that indian food is very heavy very spicy it's like if you eat a indian food for lunch you cannot eat dinner or if you eat it for dinner you cannot eat lunch uh what has happened is that uh, there has been humongous amount of um, it's a very wrong word to use it's a very crude word you can peep it out for something it's bastardization of indian food so what has happened is that the way indian food is projected the commercial indian food has been shown to people it's in a very wrong light that's yeah. not the actual food and the actual food is very simplistic very you know it's very home style food It's like I eat lunch and dinner at my home every day. It's not that I eat only once and I cannot eat it next time. But what has happened with the commercial food is the perception in people's mind has changed, like been driven so much that it's a very, you know, like uh, heavy with cream and like we don't use so much cream and butter in our house. But when you go to restaurants, they load it with cream and butter. 
something that we don't do at our restaurants is we try to keep it as authentic as possible currently we are trying to actually work with a farm where we can grow indian vegetables with indian seeds so yeah. we are working on it and give it a new perspective to indian food that's what we are working on right now and see how we can make indian food more and more accessible like a mainstream food I was going to ask and that's the next question the biggest difference you see between indian food slash restaurants in the united states comparing to back home there's no comparison i'll be honest with you people might feel like i'm being a jerk or something but indian food is at a very low point in america i would say okay and yes now there are chefs who are coming out doing great stuff and everything just like you and yeah. it's up <laughs> Uh, no no obviously there's a bunch of us yeah, no, know, trying yeah. to do it and everything but uh, again see it it is not at a very big number right now you understand there mm-hmm. are maybe less than 10 people who are doing it we need at least 50 to 60 chefs running this movement to get the indian food at the pedestal that it needs to be why like do you say just, it's low because you just said it's low sorry why do you say like the indian food scene is very low I'll, and i'll share the numbers with you because uh, we sure. as a group work on it You know how many Chinese restaurants are there in America? In America? Oh, I don't know. America. Yeah, a lot. 40,000. Just just 40,000. Like okay. these are the numbers we have collected. 40,000 restaurants across America. You know how many Indian restaurants are there? A thousand. Now you're a little lesser than that. 5,000. Okay. Think yeah. about it. So 5,000 Indian restaurants, 40,000 Chinese restaurants. Eight times. you understand and i would assume that these bigger chunk of number is in last 3 years and that 5000 also i feel that bigger chunk of restaurant would have opened up in last 3 years and that's why i say that the growth of indian food has been very slow because there was no structure to it uh, there was no uh, vision to drive it to a excellent level because not many indian chefs who are trained with indian food are in america you understand so there are a lot of indian ethnicity chefs but i'm what i'm saying is there are not people who are trained in indian food doing indian food in america and that's one of the reasons that that indian food has not been able to evolve itself into a you know better picture or a better level than everything else like i think what people have done with chinese food is phenomenal where you have mom and pop shops then you have mid range chinese restaurants and then you have the high end chinese restaurants I think where Indian food fails is we have a lot of mom and pop shops, we have few high-end fine dining Indian restaurants, but there is nothing in the middle zone. Like middle zone is totally missing for Indian food, and we feel that that is the gap. We want to see how we can fill it up. I had a conversation here with Chef Ming Tsai, and he said that you know bad Chinese restaurants in the U.S. they are way worse than bad Chinese restaurants in China. Do you think? like you're mentioning the 5000 number right but do you are you all also afraid more indian restaurants that doesn't mean exactly quality doesn't make sense yeah it totally makes sense it totally makes sense but and that's what i'm saying that what has happened is let's say there are 40000 chinese restaurants let's say 15% are outstanding which makes it how much it, it makes it 6000 good restaurants like 6 6000 outstanding restaurants and now indian food has representation of only 5000 restaurants in which let's say good is 20% which is a very high number i mean yeah, yeah. it's a very high number it's still 1000 restaurants how would we make that more and more accessible to people yeah. like just to give you a number off my head i i don't have the list in front of me but in new york city 
for every 6,780 people, there is one Indian restaurant. No, yeah, that's true. It's just, I think, yeah, it's something around that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you said about, you know, uh, traditional Indian chefs or Indian chefs actually from India. There are not a lot of them come here. Uh, do you think a lot of them, they still go to England? Because I know in, in the UK, it's very big, you know. Or do you I, think I they think just stay back home? No, a lot of them travel. A lot of them come. But also, it depends on the opportunity that you get over here. Like, uh, what happens is that in India... Even to become a chef, there's a humongous amount of education level you need to do. And you are taught, every, like when I do, I, when I did my culinary school and other things, we are taught everything about cuisine from the world. We are not only taught about Indian food, we are taught about everything. And then when you start working, you specialize to, into what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Like you can pick up a cuisine or we can pick up something that you want. So I think uh, what happens with Indian chefs is our education knowledge is so high. Like you can talk to me about Chinese food, Mexican. I can speak about it comfortably. I might not be able to cook the best Italian food, but I can talk about Italian food with you for hours. But I think what happens is for other cuisine, like if you're a French chef, you've been cooking French your entire life since you are a teenager. But that doesn't happen in our culture where we have to study to be a chef also. Yeah, that's a good thing. I think it's a phenomenal. Yeah, Yeah, it's a good thing. It's a phenomenal thing. Trust me. I had five years. I did five years of culinary in Portugal. And you would be amazed how we're not taught anything else besides Portuguese food, (laughs) which is after a while, it's like, okay, you know, I mean, we do, of course, the French food because there's a lot of basics of the food, you know, it comes from France. But we, you know, we had a little bit of a, it was like a a month kind of program that we did Thai foods. But for five years, you talk, you teaching, you know, just Portuguese food, which is extremely boring because there's so many cuisines. And even if you have the best cuisine in the world, you know, five years studying that doesn't make sense. That's a little, that's a little too yeah. much. And I think what happens, yeah. And what happens with uh, one good thing about Indian chefs is they have been so much uh, as our education explores and puts us through so many different cuisines, culture and uh, ingredients that we actually can think about using ingredients in different ways for different cuisines. I agree. What was your first memory of taste? I, I've got a humongous, like, I have a sweet tooth. Like, and I think what I can remember is eating sweets in my house. Like my mother or my grandmother would make something and I would be like, I, I, I still do it. Like if somebody's cooking something at home, even before it's done, I'll just keep on going eating it. Like I, impulsively, like that's my thing. So my, I still remember what my grandmother would do is there was a specific dish she would be making and she knew I would come and like want to eat a little bit. Then I'll go and play outside. Then I'll come back, eat one more spoon. She would actually keep a bowl separately for me saying that, okay, you can eat from here. So I think that's the earliest memory I have. The most underrated ingredient for you? Mm, most underrated ingredient. Wow, that will be a tough one. I think something which is not extensively used in America, the mutton. Mutton? In America. Okay. Mutton in America is not very, ext- you don't find it extensively. And I've not seen many people using it also. Overrated ingredients. I don't think any ingredient is overrated, but uh, what do I think is overrated? Um, maybe kale. Kale, okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. I, kale, I eat kale, but I'm just saying like, yeah. people keep on saying it's a health, like the supernatural food and the healthy food, so that's why. The best breakfast you can have? Uh, I love to eat eggs with my daughter. The only meal you cook at home, so there you go. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that's the only meal I eat with her. That's my entire day. 
the strangest combination some people might do it that you just cannot accept food wise i think when like like off late something that i saw which i didn't understand was uh, people using activated dried charcoal in dessert uh, what happened is it gives a very ash color to the dish i i think it uh, it, it the color itself looked very unappetizing you know and uh, it just it, it it was it gave a very unappetizing color to the dish and it also didn't taste that great so mm-hmm. it literally and i'm not exaggerating it was like a it looked like a concrete actually like the same shade of concrete and everything and i thought maybe the taste will have something to do with it and there was nothing like i couldn't find the taste also anything exciting So the name of the podcast is Turning Chickens and Breaking Dishes. Those are two Portuguese phrases. Turning chickens means someone that has a lot of experience and breaking dishes means someone that exceeded all expectations. Do you think you've been turning more chickens or breaking more dishes? I would go with turning chickens. Turning I haven't exceeded a lot of expectations. I have not. <laughs> This part of the the podcast at the end, I tell my guests to sell their fish. In Portugal, if someone tells you to sell your fish, that means you talk about yourself. You know where people can find you, your restaurants, what's in the future for you, for you and your business. Just talk a little bit about that. So, guys, I'm based out of New York City. Uh, we we have uh, currently three restaurants. one online concept and a one pop up kind of a concept which is for the virtual food so the first restaurant we opened was rahi which does the contemporary version of indian food with uh, local ingredients the second one is known as adda which does a very comfort and a home style indian food the third restaurant we are going to open by end of october or mid of october is known as dhamaka which is going to be more like a very street and a simple approach of indian food with quality quality driven ingredients uh, from local farms and everything we also have something known as aero banquets rmx which is the virtual reality dining uh, which is first of its kind and a lot of people said oh a lot of people have done virtual reality dining the way this is different is that we realized there was a humongous gap in uh, virtual reality and food because uh, architecture hospitals construction you name any industry they were using virtual reality in a very phenomenal and integrated way what was happening with the food is that you wore the vr glasses you saw video remove your glasses and eat your food that's what was happening as a virtual dining and what we did we tied up with a artist who's from the virtual reality field and we developed this concept where actually you eat your entire food while you are in the virtual world so you don't remove the glasses at any point of time you are in this virtual world and we create different sequences and everything uh, you basically have to just give us your so it's a ticketed experience uh, we can do four people at a time uh, you just have to give us your uh, dietary restrictions and then we get the menu out for you and the funny part is after you taste the food the maximum somebody can guess the entire menu what they ate is like 7 to 9% and when i show you the menu you'll be like wow it was so simple and i couldn't guess it so it actually is a very um, very phenomenal social experiment where very simple things like if you look at with your naked eye you'll be like oh this is this but when you eat it with a blind eye with a different scenario in front of you you are not able to gauge it like different kinds of feels that we do is one is you are in a space and the galaxy is moving around you with the planets are moving around and then you have this something flying in front of you comes in front of you that's your food actually and then you eat your food 
And uh, it's, it's, it's a very extensive thing. It goes on for 45 minutes to 55 minutes, depending on how you want to make it interactive. And where people and, can find that? So we, uh, the last installment that we did was at Jeans VR House for four months. We were there for four months doing this uh, day in, day out. Uh, I think it was not there on Monday and Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Monday, Tuesday, it was not there. Uh, we are working on our fifth installment now. Uh, once the indoor dining starts in New York, we'll be launching it soon. But it's a very underground project. We don't uh, publicize it much. If you know it, you know it. It's like that. Because it's four seatings for an hour and we do only 20 seatings a night. So it's good for us right now. Okay. That's right. And then we have an online concept with biryani bowl. Biryani is a very traditional uh, layered up Indian rice dish. And we actually cook it in a clay pot and then we deliver it to you. And you are just supposed to reheat it. Perfect. So these are the concepts we are working on right now. Uh, Shintan, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I wish you all the best. When people can when people can travel more normally, I encourage everybody yeah. to go to New York and try your restaurants. And then people are in thank New you. York, just go to your restaurants. But they already know about your Where, restaurants. When are we hosting you in New York then? I, I when things go when things go back to normal, I'll make sure I'll text you. I'll go there. Yeah, so you have my email address, you have my phone number, you have my... I have everything, your address, your bank accounts. Everything. I have everything. (laughs) Well, you won't find anything in my bank account, so you can have that. You can actually put in some money if you want. (laughs) Please, anytime you're in New York, I would love to meet up with you personally. And uh, I I love uh, when chefs come up with very innovative ideas and do... uh, You know, like we people know us just cooking food. And I love when people think out of the box and do newer things and venture into new things and um, so i call them a chef pruner not entrepreneur chef pruner so you are chef the chef pruner, pruner right? I, chef. I like that word i like that yes yeah <laughs> you know like and i love it when chefs do it and it's like out of the box thinking and what you're doing is phenomenal you know like thank you for giving me an opportunity to be here My and pleasure. again i would love to meet you in person whenever everything comes back to normal absolutely thank you very much Intan. thank you thank you thank you david thank thanks you. a lot did you like that episode raise your hands me too. Thank you very much for listening to the episode. I'm so grateful for all the messages and comments that you have left. And if you haven't done that, don't forget also to subscribe to the podcast, share, tell your friends all about the chickens we are turning and the dishes we are breaking. You can follow me on Instagram at Turning Chickens Breaking Dishes, on the Facebook page Turning Chickens and Breaking Dishes, and you can also send me an email to info at turningchickensandbreakingdishes.com. Don't forget I release an episode every Tuesday and Friday of each week, so stay tuned all the time. If you want to support this podcast, you can go to anchor.fm slash david-martins. Have an amazing day. Adios.